Good morning. I'm Dylan. I'm also going to be an SBC student body chaplain next year. So nice to meet y'all. I'm going to be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them his, this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently upon, <clears throat> up into the sky as he was going, when, he suddenly, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, have you guys had an awesome weekend? More or less, yeah? Okay. Oh, you guys don't sound very excited. Did you guys have a great weekend? Yeah, sweet. Awesome. Um, we are seriously so glad that you guys were able to come here, have this weekend, just to kind of get a taste for what school is going to be like, and maybe even have a better idea of what the future uh, has in store for you. And um, my name is Jake Thurston. I'm a senior Christian ministries major here at Indiana Wesleyan University. And uh, myself and alongside Megan Swan, um, who will also be speaking this morning, we serve as this year's student body chaplains, just as uh, people who just want to love on uh, this campus and just have a chance to share the word with you guys this morning. And we're so excited to have this opportunity. And what's so crazy to me is just three years ago, I was right here with you. As in, I remember my admitted students weekend just like it was yesterday. Um, and I especially remember kind of the emotional preparation process that I had to go through before I went over to this large mass of people that I had never met before, right? Maybe you guys went through something similar this weekend to try to get off all those anxieties of, man, I have no idea who these people are, you know? But if you, get it, if you get the chance to know me, you'll very quickly come to realize that I'm a very extroverted, energetic, sometimes overwhelming personality, <laughs> to say the least. So I can imagine when I went over here to this large mass of people that I had never met before, who are probably just as anxious as I am, I, would, I have no doubt that I totally maybe set some people off. Like, hey, I'm Jake, nice to meet you! You just don't want to do that. It's not cool. Um, but I especially remember maybe some of the icebreaker games to loosen you up, kind of get you acquainted with other people. Um, for my administration's weekend, we did this dance competition, and I somehow got roped into that. So I made a fool of myself the, right off the bat, right before uh, college even started. Um, but it was a great time. And 
as that night went on, as the weekend went on, it was just crazy for me to think that in just a couple of months, I'll be graduating from high school. I received my call to ministry my sophomore year of high school, and I knew that I wanted to come to IWU to pursue this degree in becoming a pastor since I was 16. You know, I was dead set on it. This is what I wanted to do for a living. And um, it was mind-blowing to think that all of a sudden this chapter of my life was finally closing, and I was ecstatic to finally have the chance to graduate from high school. In fact, maybe a lot of you might find yourself in a very similar vote where you are so done with high school and you are ready to start this new chapter of your life. Maybe you've uh, known that this is where you've wanted to come for a long time and you know exactly what you want to pursue. Maybe you want to go into a career of nursing. Maybe it's art therapy or music performance. Or you want to go and start a business somewhere. Maybe you do want to go into ministry. Whatever it is, you are just ecstatic to finally come to a place where you can pursue something that you're passionate about. Granted, there's also some of you who may be entirely scared out of your mind, if we're really honest about it, where maybe you have no idea what you want to do. Maybe you have no idea what you're majoring in. You're just kind of getting into these classes like, okay, we'll see where this goes. Maybe there's even some of you where you're kind of balancing five other colleges on your plate, and you don't know which one you want to go to. And you're just going through this huge process of wondering what in the world does the future have in store for me? On top of prepping for graduation open houses, maybe finding a summer job to actually pay for, to pay for your schooling, and plus the emotional turmoil of being separated from your boyfriend and girlfriend once you graduate and go to different colleges. That's a huge undertaking as well. And you're beginning to be exposed to these pressures of having to figure out what direction your life is going. And it's scary. Because whether, um, whether you know exactly what you want to do or whether you're entirely clueless about it, or maybe you're even a parent here and you have no idea what the future is like for your kid, I think it's all safe to say that we can come to this place where we just wish God could just give us the answer. Right? Where we, we hear all these messages a lot about the promise that's found in Jeremiah 29 11 that God has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. And that is an incredible promise. And by all means, that's something that we can trust God will deliver for us. But at the same time, what do we do when God seems to go silent? And we don't know what that next step should be. And all we want God to do is to say, God, it's great. I know that you have a future for me and everything, but I would just really like to know what step I need to take right now. But instead, he tells us to wait. Instead, he tells us to wait. See, Jesus' disciples went through a similar experience. Within a span of 10 days, they went on the craziest emotional roller coaster you could ever imagine. So at one moment, they were hanging out with Jesus. He was doing all these teachings. He was uh, doing miracles. It was an incredible time to be alive, especially if you were a disciple. And as the triumphal entry came about, and as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and everyone was praising him, saying, praise be to God for he who comes in the name of the Lord, and Hosanna in the highest. It was exciting. 
that the Redeemer of Israel had finally come. But then as the Passover meal came and Jesus announced that he was going to be betrayed and he was going to be killed, the disciples immediately go into defense mode and they're ready to fight for him and they're ready to protect him and to keep him alive at whatever stakes necessary. But then when Jesus is actually arrested, they realize that he's not going to fight back like they thought he would. They're terrified and they run away. And then when Jesus is beaten and crucified and killed and put in a tomb, it's safe to say they were probably at the lowest moment in their life at that point. But then, three days later, they start getting these reports that Jesus had risen from the dead. And one day in particular, the 11 disciples were gathered in this room, uh, kind of discussing all these reports that they had received, when two other disciples came to meet them there. And they gave them this account that Jesus had met them on the road to Emmaus, and they told him all this stuff about how he recited Scripture back to them, and their eyes were opened, and it was him. The disciples were, of course, confused by how this could even be possible, and so they were discussing this, when out of nowhere, Jesus just shows up and he says, Peace be with you all. And I love how Luke describes their reaction. He says, He says, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Like, it's not normal to see somebody who you thought was dead all of a sudden back in real life. Like, that was a legitimate reaction. But Jesus affirmed that it was him, that he was the risen Messiah, that he was the Lord. And they were filled with joy and amazement at this. And that that leads us into the passage that Dylan read for us this morning and that they began to go around the region, and Jesus appeared to other people for 40 days, testifying that he is the Son of God and that he is risen. And then, this happens. Before he sends into heaven, Jesus is sharing a meal with them. And he says to his disciples in Acts 1, verses 4 through 5, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were kind of confused by what Jesus meant by this. They thought he was talking about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. But Jesus was like, no, no, no. He he goes on to clarify in verses 7 and 8. He says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set. His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then you know what he does? He leaves. He leaves. He ascends into heaven. And I can imagine for the disciples, as they're watching Jesus rise up into the sky, they're like, What in the world did he just say? What is that supposed to mean? Because think about it. At this point, they have a very basic understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, but they have no idea when they're going to receive him. All Jesus said was, in a couple of days, in a few days you'll receive him. Um, They have no idea how they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Is this going to be like a painful process? I don't know. Or even furthermore, what's going to happen when they do receive the Holy Spirit? And what does that mean for their future, that they had to go and testify to the far regions of the world, like, 
How far is far? What all does that even mean? And this man that they came to love so much, who's also the son of God, gives them this vague picture of what their future is. And he tells them, instead of what their next step is, he tells them to wait. He tells them to wait. He tells them that you will receive what is promised, but you have to wait. I think many of us here find ourselves in a very similar boat where you know that God has this plan to prosper you, not to harm you. It's a plan to give you a hope, to give you a future. And you know you're meant to go do something that you're passionate about. You know you're supposed to get a job, maybe have a family. Maybe that's, that's a part of what your future is, but it's a vague picture. You have no idea what that next step is. But God is telling you to wait. What do we do when we find that God's telling us just to wait? Megan's going to come up and take it from here. So what do you do when you're asked to wait? When you guys have all these questions, you're about to be graduating from high school, and you're wanting to know what God has for you, hopefully that you're, you're seeking that. When you have these questions that God's not answering, and when you have these requests and these fears, and it doesn't seem like God's removing them or God's answering them, what do you do? What do you do when you're asked to wait? We're caught up in this tension of excitement and uncertainty, just not knowing how we're supposed to jump in when we don't feel like we're being resourced or equipped to do it, when we don't feel like we have the information, but God is calling us to do something. We know that there's something great for, great for us in store in the future. So let's look to the disciples. What did they do when they were asked to wait? I'll be continuing on in verse 12 from where we read off. So you see, Jesus just ascended. He gave them this mission and then told them to wait until they received the Spirit. And so here's what they did in verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and son of the Zealot, Judas son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So you might be asking, what are we supposed to do during this time? You know, this passage is kind of funny to me because in reality, Christ didn't have to make his disciples wait. You know, as soon as he was ascending into heaven, you know, they were squinting in the sky. He could have just gone, whoo, and hit them with the wind and fire of the Spirit of Pentecost right in that moment. But I believe that there is purpose for why God allows you to have this waiting process. Why he allows us to go through this time of questioning, of anticipation and excitement and uncertainty. There is purpose for why the apostles we're asked to wait, and there's a purpose for what you guys are going through right now. So I have three things that I notice about 
the waiting of the apostles. First is that they acknowledged their calling. We see earlier in the passage that the writer Luke mentions that Jesus gave instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. They wrote this down and they acknowledged it later that they had been chosen and called for a special purpose. So whether or not you guys know what God is calling you to, take hold right now to the fact that you are called and be willing to follow in that calling. Before you even enter onto this campus this weekend, that was our prayer for you guys. Our very first prayer, because you can't even, you can't even get onto the issue of waiting for God if you're not seeking him. You're not really anticipating, you're not really listening to God. You're not really waiting for an answer if you're not willing to hear it, if you're not wanting it. So our first greatest prayer for you guys is that you would acknowledge the fact that you do have purpose for your future. You do have a plan. God does believe you matter. And the little things and the little things that you're afraid of, the things that you're trying to process through, good or bad, God recognizes those things, and he's got purpose and direction for you. So acknowledge that you are called so that you are ready for the waiting process. The second thing the apostles did was they trusted in God in the midst of not knowing, and that caused them to, to walk out in faith of obedience. You see, in this time, the disciples had many questions that were still unanswered. They still did not know um, exactly what it meant, what they were told, but they still went to Jerusalem. They still obeyed Christ's calling. They prepared. Later on in this passage, you'll, you'll see that they equipped their own people. They started gathering up more disciples in anticipation for what God was going to do. They obeyed and remained in Jerusalem. You may not know specifically what God has for you, what your major is, how he's going to work out finances, how he's going to work out relationships, this new start. But you know a direction, the basic calling that God has given you as a believer, as a child of God. Follow in that. When you walk in faith and continue in through that, God's plans will slowly be revealed to you. And so in the midst of uncertainty, recognize you are called Accept that you are chosen. And then walk actively, trusting God with everything that you do. For students, maybe that means that you just need to be faithful through the last couple months of school. Continue to work hard in your work. To enjoy the life that you have. To be able to build on those relationships. Don't zone out. Don't skip out. God's working where you are. Maybe it means trusting in him with those little details, with those uncertainties. Trusting that it's going to work out and be okay. For parents that you're here, you're not, you're not missing out. You're not excluded from this. You guys are on a new step in, in a new phase in your lives as well. And God might be calling you to take a step and trust in him for the sake of your child. To recognize that God is going to care for them. That God does have a plan and that you can release them on for this next phase as they walk into adulthood. The third and final thing that we see in this passage is that the apostles continued to seek God together in prayer. I believe this is the most powerful thing that we can do as believers. Prayer. If you are really desiring 
to know what God has for you, wouldn't it make sense that you would be asking him, that you'd be seeking him? If you have struggles of fear, of doubt, doesn't it make sense to ask for him to empower you, to release you of those bondages? Seek God in prayer, as they did. I want you guys to look around you. Look to the faces to your left and right. Seek, to God, seek God together through prayer means that you commit yourselves to one another as a community. These aren't just parents and classmates. This is the community that you guys are going to be having potentially for the next four years. So support one another. Pray with one another. Allow each other to, to be mentored. To hold each other accountable. Cry. Confess your, your struggles. Lift one another up. Because it is through this that really you will be grown. It is through this that you will be shaped and be prepared during this waiting phase. Because I see that in reality, God calls us to this waiting period because he answers through our waiting. The very things that we are waiting for, these requests, these questions, God answers us through shaping us through the waiting period. So seek God. Acknowledge your calling. Walk in obedience and pray together. During this time, we're going to have a response. It may seem a little hokey what I'm going to ask for you guys to do. It may seem a little uncomfortable. But I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. If you would stand up in this time, and gather into groups of those around you. Guys, this is your community. Go ahead and if you're, if you're singles or whatever, go find those around you. You guys are a community. Fellow believers together. And the greatest thing that you guys can do during this time is to support one another. Find groups of four or five. And as the worship team comes forward and prepares us for one last final song, I'm going to ask for you guys to pray for these three things. That God would reveal his calling for you. That you would trust him in the midst of not knowing. And that you would pray for your community around you in those same things. We're going to take a couple minutes. You guys have time. Talk with one another. Take this step to support one another. Because as you guys are engaged into this next phase God's with you. He has great purpose, and he does answer your prayers. After that, we're going to worship through one last song. And this last song is exactly the same prayer that you guys are going to be praying together, that we would be seeking God and that he would be answering us. So take two, three minutes. Pray with those around you. Parents, pray for your students. Students, pray for your community here. And then we will gather together again. Will you do me a favor? Will you be seated just for a few moments? I get to share with you just for around two or three minutes. When we were preparing for this worship service, there were two desires that I had. The first desire was that our focus truly would be upon the Almighty. And can I share? I believe that that took place today. But the second desire I had was that we would, I would be able to highlight some of our students 
The reality is at this university, we have some wonderful, wonderful students. You need to know that everything that takes place with the tech, all the lighting, all the sound, basically today, it is being run by our student team. And can I share, they are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ that very seldom ever get the applause of man, but they serve because they love him so much. Our worship, as you have seen and heard today, done by students that are so gifted and talented, so blessed to have them. In fact, every chapel service that we have, it's usually our students that are leading us to the throne of God. I wanted to highlight our chaplains in the speaking. You need to know that they have a wonderful hidden ministry as well inside the dorms of ministering to young people that are part of this community. I want to share why we went that way. The leaders of the church in Zimbabwe, where I had worked for quite a few years as a missionary, had decided to invite some non-believing leaders of the community to be on a panel to discuss this question. What prevents some black Africans from becoming Christians? On a day in which the panel took place, the church was entirely filled up. And as the people began to discuss that question, what prevents some black Africans from becoming Christians, I began writing down and jotting down as many notes that I could. Different responses were presented. But the answer that got me the most came from the oldest member of the panel. He slowly rose to his feet, and then when he spoke, he said, stated these words, the reason I have never become a Christian is because the Christians I know have not helped me to really see who Jesus Christ is. What I have found is that they talk about him as being God, but they treat him as if he is just some common person. He then continued on, that they have lowered him to the level of man as if he is just a good friend. Why would I want to worship someone who is like me? Because if I'm going to worship, the person I worship must be big, and the person I worship must be wonderful. In fact, many years ago, the Bishop of Winchester, Reverend Frank Woods, was asked a question. If you had only one sermon to preach, what would it be? And without a moment's hesitation, he replied, a vision of Jesus Christ as being God Almighty, as being Lord of Lords and King of Kings, as majestic Savior, to help people see the awesomeness of God. Well, you need to know that the deep desire of ours at Indiana Wesleyan University is for our students to understand the awesomeness of God, for them to understand that he truly is real, that he is alive, that he is powerful. We want them, and in fact, we want those of you that have registered to become part of our community, we want you to see and to enjoy him in deeper ways in sweet surrender. On Easter morning, 1799, the Austria citizens of Felkirch woke, awoke to find their peaceful village besieged by the army of Napoleon. Knowing that the town's defenses could not withstand the attack, those in authority hastily called a meeting to decide if they should hoist the white flag and surrender to the enemy. The pastor of the church rose first and addressed a somber assembly. This is Easter day, he started out saying. We must have at least one moment of triumph. Let us at least ring the bells. If the town falls, it falls but we must ring all the bells on Easter. Well, his council prevailed, and soon from the church towers, the bells rang out their joyous sound. The vibrant music reverberated through the valleys and hills of Felkirch, filling the frosty air with gladness. The invaders massed outside the gates. They were, prof they were, they were totally confounded. 
Why should there be such celebration? Concluding that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to relieve the town, the French broke camp and were in full retreat before the bells stopped ringing. Well, in a more profound way, it could seem that the cause of righteousness is doomed today, that the forces of evil are winning, that nothing we do can help to meet the needs of our hurting world. But I want you to know that this is far from reality, for we seek at this university to focus our hope on Jesus Christ, that at Indiana Wesleyan University, we want our students and we want our faculty and staff and administrators to not see the conflict from the vantage point of the world or measure resources by the wisdom and strength of humans. But we want to help our students and our community to recognize that we serve the highest reality, God himself, that he loves us, that he can meet all of our needs, and with his help, we can make a difference for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and for the Prince of Peace. We want our students to recognize that even though we may feel weak, even though we may feel insignificant, with God we can become strong and we can become usable and we can become useful. And so those of you that signed up yesterday to be a part of this community, can I share what you signed up for? In part, you signed up to be a part of a university that comes along and recognizes that we truly do serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And so will you do me a favor, allow me the privilege of being able to say a prayer over you. Will you stand, please? Well, dear Father, today really is like many other days. The sun rose and in a few hours will hide itself as the moon makes its appearance. People will be born, people will laugh, people will cry, some will dance, they will die. Today, Kronos time is as it has been since you gave it beginning and will be as it is until you bring things to an end. Today really is like many other days. But today is also fresh and new and like no other day. Today is a Kairos moment of opportunity. Today, for these young people who have decided to come to Indiana Wesleyan University, the beginning passage from one adventure to another today really is a gift from you. Grant that each one of us will see it as an opportunity and seize it. Today we pray for all of these who have decided to meet the challenge of being further equipped to serve you at this university. Today I pray for tomorrow. As these soon-to-be high school graduates enter another door to another time, to another context, as you have led them in the past, continue to lead them into the future. Give them focus and continuing clarity to the calling that comes from you to understand their purpose and to have the courage to respond and step towards that purpose. I pray the words of Scripture. Bless them indeed. Expand their territory. Let your hand be with them. And it's the final words for benediction. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he, call, may he cause the Spirit to shine on you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his smile on you and give you peace.
And all God's people said, amen. Thank you.